going on everybody? I'm back. Welcome to Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady and this is the podcast where I, a thru-hiker, peak bagger, and all-around just hiking enthusiast, big old hiking nerd, chat with other hiking nerds just like myself about their experiences on the trail. Now, this week's guest is a woman by the name of Sarah Williams. She's a total badass. She hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2017, and she's also done a bunch of other cool stuff like bike rides and and marathons and a ton of cool adventures. And she also has her own podcast called The Tough Girl Podcast and her own site, her own blog and YouTube channel called Tough Girl Challenges. I had so much fun with this one. We talk about a bunch of cool stuff. We do talk quite a bit about what it's like to run a podcast and kind of be a content creator. It does stray a little bit from the usual theme of like through hiking and all that stuff, but I think it's a I think it's really good stuff and I really enjoyed it. And of course, we still do talk about her Appalachian Trail hike quite a bit as well, particularly about what it's like to hike the AT as somebody who is not from the United States and and some of the logistics that you have to deal with to come here and do a through hike, you know, things like insurance, visas and all that stuff. So that was really great as well. Sarah is just so professional and um, hardworking, I guess, when it comes to all this stuff. So I really learned a lot from her, honestly. We chatted a little bit after we were done the recording, and she kind of gave me some advice and some pointers for Trail Tales as well. So that was really, really amazing. Sarah, when you hear this, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to get into our conversation in just a second here. But first, let me say a couple things. I know you're about to hit that skip button. Don't do it. I'm going to guilt trip you into listening to me here. First thing is, well, if you're a regular listener, let's get the elephant in the room out of the way here. Last week's episode sucked because I didn't actually post an episode last week. I apologize. You know, I've, I've committed to doing these podcasts once per week, and I've stuck with that except for two weeks last week, obviously, and then Christmas week way back when uh, I didn't post that week as well, just because I was visiting family and stuff. It was Christmas. So I'm sorry about that. I still plan on doing one per week. I hate to say it, but sometimes I'm going to have to skip a week here and there. You know, I have a full-time job. I have a couple friends. I have a life. (laughs) I'm going to start going hiking now that it's warming up here in Vermont. So yeah, I'm I'm still going to do one a week. Don't worry. I'm just assuring you right now, but you know, I'm sorry yeah yeah that's that's that next thing i want to say is that you can contact me let's say you really liked this episode let's say you have a suggestion for a guest maybe somebody you know that i can't like reach out to on instagram or social media you know somebody who's a little more under the radar that you think would be a good guest for the show i'd love to hear from you you can write me on instagram at Trail Tales Pod. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook. Twitter is the same thing, at Trail Tales Pod. Facebook is just Trail Tales. You just type that shit into the search bar and hopefully you'll find it. My email is gmail.com at Trail Tales Pod. No, that's not it. It's Trail Tales Pod at gmail.com. Wow, I'm going to leave that in there. Uh, so, yeah, send me an email. Let me know what you think. And I would really, really appreciate that. The Boston Bruins are about to play Game 7 against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round of the playoffs, and I have about a half an hour to finish this introduction and post the episode so I can go watch that. So I'm going to try to wrap it up here. The last thing I want to say real quick is I would appreciate it if you checked out the Trail Tales Patreon. 5 or $10 a month you can pledge. 
and you will get a bonus episode and a blooper reel each month. I think I'm going to start to do some more stuff on there as well. I only have like three Patreon supporters right now. Shout out to Nick, Matt, and Scott. Thank you guys very much. And um, just I encourage people to go check it out. Patreon.com slash Trail Tales. All the money goes right back into the show. And, you know, I, I put quite a bit of work in this, so please check that out. We actually kind of talk about this a little bit in the episode. Uh, uh, Sarah kind of talks about her Patreon and how that has helped her continue to produce content for Tough Girl Challenges. And I think that's all I have to say. Let's get into the episode. Actually, no, I have one more thing. I'm going hiking next week. I'm going to hike the Foothills Trail, hopefully, assuming I'm successful. And I can't wait. Okay, let's do it. Episode number 25 with Sarah Williams. From the Tough Girl Podcast, Appalachian Trail Class 2017. That's it. We're doing it. Episode number 25 of Trail Tales. Today I'm joined by Sarah Williams. Now, this is a little bit of a first for Trail Tales because... Sarah is the first non-American guest that I've had on the show so far. Sarah is from the United Kingdom. Sarah, where exactly are you from? So I'm from a little tiny town called Hoylake, which is in the northwest of England. But most people would know it. Uh, the closest big city would be Liverpool. So where the Beatles come from, that's what I normally Ooh. say. So if you know, yeah, Liverpool, the Beatles. Uh, I live on, live by the beach, by the coast. Nice, nice, nice. I've never been over there before. I really want to. Honestly, I've never even been to any other country besides Canada, but that doesn't really count because I live like less than an hour from the Canadian border. So honestly, I, I've never really been overseas at all, but I'd really like to make it over to the UK as well. <laughs> so Sarah hiked the Appalachian Trail in 2017, correct? Correct, yeah. 2017, and she's also done a bunch of really cool stuff. And she has her own podcast called the Tough Girl Podcast. She has a whole blog and all that stuff. And we're going to we're gonna talk all about that in a second. But I'm hoping by the end of this conversation, she can kind of give me some advice on how to make trail tales a little bit better. Maybe start by not having like three beers before your every single conversation. So you stumble <laughs> over all your words and all that stuff. But no. Uh, <laughs> so Sarah, anyways, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, I'm so excited to be here. It's always good to talk about the Appalachian Trail. Absolutely, absolutely. So why don't we start there? So a question that I always like to ask my guests at the beginning of our conversations is kind of how they learned about the AT and long distance hiking and all that stuff. But uh, I'm especially curious uh, to, to ask you this question because you're not from the United States. And now it's one thing for someone like me who's lived in Vermont literally a state that the AT goes through my entire life. So obviously I'm going to know about the AT, but you know, you live across the pond, like way, way far away. So how did you first learn about the Appalachian Trail? The amazing world of the internet. But to be honest, like it's one of those things, like I never even knew that, that hiking trails existed of, you know, like 2,200 miles. It was sort of basically blew my mind when I found out about it. But I started thinking back in like 2015, you know, what big challenges do I want to undertake? What, what's something super fun, super amazing? 
And I remember stumbling across the Appalachian Trail and just thought, this is just insane. Like people walk for 2,200 miles, um, you know, through 14 states. What an incredible journey that must be. And then I remember going onto YouTube and I think it was Dixie. So I, I don't know if you've heard of Dixie. Yeah, Hayley, oh, absolutely. Wonderless. Yeah. So Dixie's sort of this total legend. And I followed her journey back in 2015 on YouTube. And then I eventually got her on the podcast to, to talk more about it. And, you know, we've spoken to her spoken to her since about some of the hikes that she's done, like the PCT and the Continental Trail Divide. And I think a seed just got planted where I thought, you know, maybe one day I'll get to do that. Maybe one day I'll get to go over to America and, and through hike. What an amazing challenge, what an amazing opportunity. So I just basically stumbled across it through things like Pinterest and, and Google and just searching for, you know, big, amazing challenges and trails to, to find. How long between the time that you kind of learned about what the AT was, you know, watching these YouTube videos, you know, looking on social media and seeing other people do this. How long between the time when you discovered the AT and kind of what it was and the time that you actually decided that this is something I want to do, I want to, you know, pack up my shit and I want to go to another country and walk for five, six months. I guess it was a lot less uh, than that for your case, but, you know, for for most people. um, Why did you actually want to go and do this, I guess is what I'm asking here. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. So I'll do it very, very quickly. But I oh, basically, no, no. I had the, go for it. But, <laughs> well, I had the, the full-time corporate job. I was working in London. I, I had the city job working banking, working, you know, ridiculous, crazy hours from, you know, six in the morning all the way through to 11 o'clock at night, highly stressed in my 30s. And I thought, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. Ended up leaving my job in March 2013, taking 18 months out to go to go traveling and basically to find out, you know, hold on. What do I want to do with my life? How do I want to spend my time? Went and climbed Kilimanjaro, went and backpacked in South America, spent time in Australia. And it was during that time I thought, hold on, what do I actually want to do? And for me, I figured out actually the things that I'm really passionate about are adventure, travel, challenging myself, pushing myself both physically and mentally, doing things which make me feel uncomfortable and also just sort of proving that girls can go out there and just do anything. And I'm a very girly girl. And so I think sometimes it shocks people when they meet me and they hear some about the different challenges that I've done. So I combined it all together and I started Tough Girl Challenges, which is all about motivating, inspiring other women and girls to go after their own adventures and step outside their comfort zone to travel and explore and um, I thought I needed basically a big challenge to to launch it with and I actually started with something called the Marathon de Saves, which is when you run six marathons in six days across the Sahara Desert Damn. carrying everything <laughs> <laughs> carrying everything you need on your back which is a pretty pretty crazy challenge to do and I did that in I did that in 2016 but I basically trained for 18 months to do this one week challenge in Morocco and then it was done and it was over. And it was like, hold on, you know, I love doing that challenge. I love being out there in the desert, in the heat, in the sand and, and being self-sufficient and carrying everything that I needed on my back and moving on from place to place. And so after 2016, I knew that the next challenge was the next challenge that I wanted to do was something that was going to be a longer physical challenge that would really, really stretch me. And so one of the things that we haven't mentioned is um, is the time frame that I did it in. So I actually did the did the trail in 100 days so which is 20- amazing that's <laughs> i think i did it in like 140 days and like i honestly can't imagine doing it any faster that's that's super awesome for sure I was going to say, like, honestly, like, no, no comparisons. I think that's the key thing with the Appalachian Trail. And we'll probably come on to, you know, to discuss that. It's hike your own hike, do what works best for you. But with regards to the time frame and what I could fit in, 100 days sort of worked for me. And I also knew, and this is 
when you've done really big physical challenges like like the Marathon de Sables and uh, you know, climbing Kilimanjaro and backpacking solo and doing you know a lot of traveling before, I knew that I'd be able to go out and I would be able to through hike the Appalachian Trail um, in five or six months and that wouldn't challenge me. And that's not being arrogant. That's just sort of saying that for me, that wouldn't have been a big physical challenge. It would still be a challenge. But for me to really get outside my comfort zone, I needed something a little bit more challenging and I was going back to university to go back to do my master's in October and I also you know running running my business having a podcast I needed to preload content while I was away and um, I heard about another guy who did the trail so I think he did it in 2016 Bigfoot who did it in 100 days and I thought oh well he's done 100 days so I can totally do it in 100 days you know that's not a problem and the idea just came and then suddenly it was 2017 and it was, right, let's through hike the Appalachian Trail, 100 days, let's finish on my birthday. I'm not a massive fan of my birthday, so I <laughs> thought we'll finish on that, then at least I'll be able to have a, you know, a big celebration for, for another reason. And that's basically how it, how it came about. So really, I found out about it in 2015 when I was sort of researching, you know, what are the challenges that I want to do, like especially with Tough Girl Challenges. 2016 did Marathon de Saves. 2017 decided to do the Appalachian Trail. Nice, nice. So let's kind of let's kind of back this up for a second. So I, I'm I'm honestly very curious about why you kind of decided to start this Tough Girl Challenges thing in the first place. And I don't just mean the actual content. Uh, by that, I mean this whole concept of challenging yourself and doing these adventures, as you kind of put it a few minutes ago there. You know, why did that come about? I know you mentioned you were kind of working like the corporate job beforehand and, you know, you got kind of sick of that. Couldn't picture yourself doing that for the rest of your life. Um, can you just kind of elaborate on that a little bit more? Can I, kind of what was going yeah. through your head there? And uh, did you have like any sort of reservations about kind of making that leap, I guess? Yeah, I suppose there's a, there's a couple of things. So I, I, I worked in a very, very male dominated environment. and I did see, you know, a lot of sexism and inequalities. And I was I've always been sort of very confident, very outgoing. And a lot of the women that that were not well, not in my space, but I saw other women who maybe struggled with that. They struggled with their own internal self-confidence. And I just couldn't understand it. And for me, what I linked that back to is the fact that when I was 18, I headed off on a gap year and went traveling um, you know, for six months in Southeast Asia. So I've always had this internal self-belief in me and what I can do. And I link it back to sports and adventure and challenging myself and and, and learning from it. And it was just basically co- combining that together. And I used to do work for, for, for UN Women and I was on the London Committee. And so motivating, inspiring women and girls has always been a passion of mine. And when I, uh, when I finished work, to be honest, I actually felt really lost. I didn't really have any idea of what I wanted to do. I didn't know what my purpose was meant to be. I also felt like a massive failure you know here I am I've got this great degree I've, I've done eight nine years I've got this fantastic career um, I got promoted the year before everything was going in the right direction and I couldn't understand why I wasn't happy with what I was doing especially when everybody around me is looking at me as though I'm such a success right, and I'm just right. so miserable and I just knew it just wasn't the right thing so so sorry to kind of cut you off there but like did you kind of leave that arena of work before you actually had kind of started Tough Girl Challenges? 
Yes. So I, so I left in March 2013. And I honestly, I mean, I, I, I had savings. So I was in, a, you know, I was in a good financial position. I knew that I didn't need to work for about 18 months. Okay. Um, so I had time to figure this out. And to be honest, I didn't know if I wanted to go back into the corporate world. I didn't know if I wanted uh, to go and do charity work. I didn't know, you know, gosh, should I move to like Singapore? Do I want to move to New York? Like, where do I want to go? And what do I want to do? I just didn't, I just didn't know, to be honest. And I think getting the time away and spending time over in South America was fantastic because one of the ways that you travel over there is by buses. So sometimes you're getting on these buses for 18, 20 hours at a time. And I would just have a journal and you know, this piece of paper and a pen and I would just sit there and write. And I don't know, all sort of thoughts came out, some feeling came out. And, and it was amazing to be away from you know, fr- friends and family and also society and people who, who knew me and had expectations of me. So I managed to get this peace and quiet to really really think hold on what do I want to do what what are my passions what are my interests not what other people think I should be doing and not what I think I owe other people actually hold on what do I want to do and that's where the idea started and to be honest it's really not easy to do something like this to start something off you know it took me maybe six months for from having the idea to finding the name to getting the brand design to to, to design, you know, I designed the website by myself and then suddenly going live because my first thought was, well, hold on, what are people going to think of me? What are my friends and family going to think about me? What are my <laughs> old colleagues going to think? You know, I've gone from, gone from being working in banking to suddenly now, oh, she's, she's um, detailing herself or she wants to be this adventurer and this motivational yeah, speaker yeah. and, uh, you know, she wants to write books and, and do these amazing challenges. So who does she think she is? And I think that can really, um, that's really difficult because you've really got to have that inner self-belief in, in what you're doing. Um, and I massively struggled with it, to be honest, uh, for a while. And for a long time, I felt like a bit of a fake and a bit of a fraud. You know, who am I doing this? And especially with doing something like the Marathon de Sars, which is a very well-known foot race. It's known as the toughest foot race in the world. And um, a lot of incredibly sort of famous people have done it. It's almost like an adventurer tick list. You know, to do the Marathon de Sars is it's it's very well regarded and it gave me um and it gave me a sort of a lot of gravitas and kudos from doing it but I initially started with blogging and writing and I thought that's how I'm going to make my my impact and mm. help to you know to change the world and nobody read my blog <laughs> <laughs> and you know, that's obviously quite um you know quite a shock and you know a little brutal on the ego but I also started going into girls schools as well to give motivational talks because a I wanted to improve my public speaking give something back and to be able to practice and I remember coming back from, you know, a couple of these these speaking gigs that I've done with these young girls aged 15 and 16, and we talk about their goals and their plans for the future. And many of them would say to me that they wanted to be a wag, which in England is basically to be the wife and girlfriend of a footballer. So it'd be the equivalent of, of girls wanting to grow up to marry um, like an NFL star right, or a basketball right. player or something. And I was just really heartbroken, to be honest. I thought, oh my goodness, you, you, you are placing that your only value is in how you look, nothing else, nothing else that you achieve. It's just purely on the physical and on the outside. And I came home and I was a little bit despondent. I remember sitting at the kitchen table and I had this newspaper in front of me and I always go to the back pages first. I don't know why. And as I was looking through the sports pages, I was just like, hold on where are all the women? There was just no women there. And I like to think that, you know, that I'm educated, I'm smart, uh, you know, I, I, I know stuff. And I thought, hold on, if I can't even find the female role models in sports, and I don't even know what's happening in like the adventure community, how do the how are these young women and girls growing up going to know that actually they can become professional footballers, they can, um, 
they can get out there and climb Mount Everest or swim the English Channel or sail around the world and do these incredible things which loads of women have done but nobody's heard about them and I had a great friend who said start a podcast it's an incredible way to get those women's voices out um and I was like I am not technical I've got no skills between (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing at all and uh I mean it's but do you know what? Nobody really, I don't think, has a clue when they first start. Oh, my no. first four episodes. I, I certainly didn't and would still argue that I don't to this day. So <laughs> understood there. I'm I'm still learning as well. I mean, I was going to say on my first four episodes, I don't even introduce myself. <laughs> like I'm literally like, oh, hey, today we're going to be speaking to you. That's, that's so a- funny because when I recorded my uh, like my introduction episode, so it wasn't an actual like uh, guest episode. It was just like the episode zero, like introduction to Trail Tales. <laughs> I did it in one take and I just kind of explained like, OK, I'm going to do this podcast about hiking. And then at the end, I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't even introduce myself. I'm 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 Kyle O'Grady, by the way. So <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but I think it's an amazing thing that you can do that because then your audience can also grow with you. I mean, I do. I cringe when I listen back to to some of my earlier episodes because I actually wrote out this whole like speech speech and I read it like, "Hello, my name is Sarah Williams. I'm from the UK. My, <laughs> I like this, 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 and my favorite color is pink." And it's just, <laughs> oh my god, it's just horrendous. But actually. The only way for you to get better at doing something is to actually do it. And that's, and you know, I mean, just uh, so with the Tough Girl podcast, it's been listened to in 174 countries. It's had over uh, 750,000 downloads. It's top 17% of podcasts globally. It won a national award last year, beating out companies like Sky Sports, the BBC, Manchester City in a public vote. And that's, and that's obviously that's absolutely huge. But it all started from from one idea, exactly you know exactly where you are. That one idea for your podcast, what you wanted to do, and being committed and focused. Actually, you release episodes every single every single week, and it's an amazing thing to do. And your audience will 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 grow with you. The content's going to be evergreen. Anybody who ever wants to hike the Appalachian Trail will hopefully find your podcast and be like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm going to learn <laughs> so many awesome school skills. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that's that's kind of encouraging to hear, you know, that you kind of felt like you didn't really know what you were doing at the beginning either. And I, f- I feel like I've definitely gotten a little bit better, maybe not on this episode because I've had a couple of beers, but like most of the time I feel like I've, I've done a little bit better since I started. Um, but I still kind of feel like I don't quite know exactly what I'm doing. I, I still get a little bit, not really nervous, but just kind of like, uh, I, I'm just going to say nervous. Uh, I, I feel like that doesn't exactly describe it, but I still get a little bit nervous before my episodes, I guess. Um, usually once we start talking like now, it's fine. But like, I don't know, how long did it take you before you kind of really settled into the whole podcast content creation thing? And, and how long until you kind of started to see like a, a good response from people who were listening? So do you know, it, t- it takes longer than you think. And I think the first thing which I found the strangest was, I don't know if you had, you probably did, is when you go back to edit your first podcast and you hear your voice <laughs> and you're just like, no, 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 no. I do not sound like that at all. Or you watch yourself yep. and videos and vlogs and you're just like, oh my God, I've got a double chin and what is with my skin? And oh, why did I say that? And, and you'll also notice that you'll say certain words. So like my words are always like, awesome you know so and i and you hear them you repeat like it and you just, i say like no, way too much oh my exactly, god exactly exactly but i think it just it just it does just take time i mean it took me it took me six months to get to like twenty five thousand downloads and now i do that every single month so wow. it's quite it's quite 
it's quite strange how quickly a podcast can go, especially when people find it. And, you know, I'm a one woman show. I have no marketing budget. So it's purely like the power of word of mouth and how much time I can spend on social media trying to promote it and get the stories out there. And obviously, the more episodes that you do, the more that people will share, you know, with the women that I interview, they'll share them with their audience and there'll be cross collaborations. And, you know, hopefully, you know, the women and the men listening to your podcast will come and they can listen to, to my podcast. And I'll obviously talk about your podcast on my podcast <laughs> and then hopefully send people back to you to, to listen to, to your guests. So um, I think it's an incredibly powerful medium. And I think I love the fact that people have been on this journey with me and and they've also get to know me as well as I go through the different challenges I actually started a daily podcast when I came back from um actually all throughout 2017 actually so before I headed off on my Appalachian Trail hike I started um basically sharing what I was doing every day because I think what's what people forget is that they can see the end of a challenge. So they see that you've, you know, through Hike the Appalachian Trail in 100 days and they think, oh, well, it's easy for her. But actually, one of the things that I do is that I share, I share, well, how did I plan it? How did I organize it? How did I preload my content? How did I finance it? How did I pay for it? How did I balance my time? What did I need to organize? What did I need to do to get ready in order for me to get to that point that I could I could go and go on this hike and go on this trail because that's, I think, sometimes what people don't know how to do when there's a big challenge or a big goal. People can get scared and overwhelmed and think, well, how do I even approach this? Like, you know, the Appalachian Trail, when you look at it in its entirety, 2,200 miles, 14 states, um, what gear do you need? What shoes? And it, and it can be overwhelming. And so I think that's been incredibly powerful to show people, look, this is where I started. This is what I did to save up money. This is how I paid for things piecemeal as I went along. These are the costs um, and these are the challenges. And, you know, and I definitely had like ups and downs, like trying to trying to figure stuff out and, you know, what's going to work best for me and how do I, how do you even train for it? How do you get fit for it? So I was actually able to share that with all of, all of my followers and really take them on the whole journey. And I did actually vlog the whole trail as well. So I filmed it all every single day, apart from day 98, I think I lost the footage or I don't know where that footage is gone. So, um, yeah, there's pretty much uh, 19, 99 days of footage apart from like one of the final days. I, 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 I thought about like, for for a very hot second, I thought about doing like some sort of vlog uh, when I set out for my through hike. But at the end of the day, I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to like actually do this whole trail, let alone like try to commit to filming and like editing a video for like every single day. So I kind of <laughs> kind of threw that out the window. Um, I, I, I apologize if anybody listening to this is like, Kyle, you're not talking directly about hiking right now like you have been on all the other episodes, but Honestly, Sarah, you're the first like uh, other podcaster I've talked to. I've talked to other content creators, uh, mostly just through hikers that uh, did vlogs. Um, obviously, you've, you've been doing the whole podcast and content creation thing for a while. So I'm just kind of curious, what has been like the hardest part about putting out consistent content like that? Because I mean, kind of going back to what we were talking about before we started recording here, you know, most people quit at least for a podcast, most people quit after like six episodes or something like that. And you've been doing it for a number of years now. So, you know, what have been some of the challenges related to that? Uh, To be honest, lack of money, like not being paid for your content and people not necessarily appreciating the work that goes into what you're, what you're producing. So trying to earn a living through content creation. So through, through blogging, through podcasting, through 
um, through video is in, and social media as well. You know, being an influencer it is incredibly hard. And I think a lot of people think that it's really easy. And I actually had to write a blog post because people were getting the wrong idea and you know, all my fault about what I was posting on social media. You know, there's me at the gym going out for a walk and training or going to schools or you know, doing what I was doing to prepare for the hike. And um, I think I've been doing it for over two years. I was going into debt for producing the content. You know, it costs you money mm-hmm. to have a website. It costs you money to um, to have a to have a hosting platform. It, it costs you it costs you money to you know to run your podcast through Audacity. Well, it cost me money you know, to having a search function. There's there's costs involved as well as the cost of your time, for example. And and you know when you first start out, you know editing podcasts, it would take me five or six hours to edit. Same with videos, five or six hours to edit a video for for six seven minutes. And um, I put my heart and soul in it. And when I was 35, I moved back in with my parents. So, you know, I'm actually, um, yeah, so it was like one of my lines, like last year was like, look, I'm 36 years old. I live at home <laughs> with my parents. And basically, I wrote this blog post saying, look, this is how I afford to blog and podcast. As in, I'm very minimalist. I don't shop. I don't go out. I don't socialize. You know, when I get invited to to Hendy's, I have to decline and say no, because I can't afford it. When I get um, invited to go for drinks on a Friday night, I have to say no, because I can't afford it. And I'd rather spend my money on investing that back into Tough Girl Challenges. So for, for over two and a half years, I was going into debt for doing the work that I was really, really passionate about doing. And don't get me wrong, that was a choice of a choice of mine to invest my time and energy into, into what I'm doing. And then um, so that was that's tough to keep motivated when you're putting out content over and over again, and you know it's being valued because people email you telling you how how you've changed their life. Right. But it hasn't changed their life enough that they would donate two dollars or five dollars. And but actually, what happened with me is, have you heard of Patreon? I do, yes, and everybody should go check it out. There's my shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, but I mean, Patreon is life changing and massively life changing for me. So I started Patreon, I think in, in like 2016. And so when I was actually out on the trail, I was getting $500 a month in, which allowed me, which allowed me to a fund the running costs of the podcast podcast and the hosting fees. And, you know, give me enough for, you know, for for food and stuff while I was on the trail. I mean, it didn't cover the full cost. You can see the costs on on my website as I go through, because it is about a thousand dollars per month as everybody probably knows. Um, but once I started getting regular support and started getting a regular income coming in, that was the game changer for me because then it started giving me more, more opportunities because at one point, you know, last year I was, I was doing the podcast, doing the blog, doing the website. Um, I was back at university studying for my master's. I was working two part-time jobs and I was just burning myself out trying to, trying to build, um, to build a brand, to build a business, Mm -hmm. to, you know, to make my passion work and to be able to, uh, to be able to make a living from my passion, which isn't always possible, because if you're not earning any income, then you're, all you've got is an expensive hobby. And you know, I I know what I'm doing is valuable. So that's probably the hardest thing is when sometimes you feel as though you you're not uh, you're not appreciated or or what you're doing isn't making a difference. But you have to be patient. It's like when you're on the Appalachian Trail, you've got to be patient. Especially you're going to have bad days. You're going to have these days when it's rained for constantly and you've slipped in the mud and you've fallen over and you've got a blister or you've dropped your Snickers bar in the mud and you still have to pick it up and eat it or you can't find any water. You have these tough, challenging days, but you get through them. You keep going, you keep persevering. And I think that comes back to two key things is one is that you've got a goal. So you know what your end goal is. You want to get to the end of the Appalachian Trail. You want to get to Mount Katahdin. You want to touch that sign. And for me, it's the same with my business, as in 
my goal is to increase the amount of female role models in the media. That is my mission. That is what I'm working towards. And that comes back to every question that I ask myself. Is if by me doing these adventures and challenges, is this going to encourage other women to get out there to get fit and active? Mm-hmm. And the answer is always going to be yes. So by me should be able to share like my like what life was like daily on the Appalachian Trail. Hopefully, it'll encourage other women to think, oh, okay, so okay, I need to prepare for the bad days. Okay, that's what Sarah did with regards to mental resilience and mental toughness. I mean, I also interviewed about thirty or forty other women out while on the trail for the YouTube channel, literally just asking them like three or four questions. You know, what's your name? What's your trail name? Where are you from? What are, What are you doing out here? You know, what's what's your top tip? What's your biggest challenge that you face and overcome? And these women are just all different ages, all different backgrounds. You had women who were through hiking. You had women who were section hiking. I met a group of women who are in their 60s who had been doing the Appalachian Trail over 12 years. Another woman who every year she'd come and do, uh, she'd take two weeks off work and do a two-week section. And section by section, she was getting it done. Um, And the fact that everyone was different ages, everyone had different equipment, different gear, everyone had faced different challenges, I think is incredibly empowering because you can look at other women and say, well, she's, she's just like me oh she's a teacher oh she's in her 50s she's in her 60s oh she's 18 oh wow okay so she's traveling by herself or okay so she's traveling with a partner oh she's traveling with her family um and then they can start to think oh okay well she can do it i can do it so it's very very powerful absolutely absolutely so we kind of just briefly there touched on some of the, like the hardships of being a content creator like that, you know, the, the financial aspect, uh, the grind, if you will, of just, you know, putting out consistent content oops, uh, for a long period of time. And then you kind of got into some of the more positive things there. Can you just elaborate a little bit more about that? You know, how often are people reaching out to you, you know, talking about how you've inspired them? You know, have you ever had like somebody in person, like come up to you and say, hey, look, like I'm a fan, like, you know, something, you know, things like that, you know, because because as like a an aspiring content creator like that, you know, being able to kind of influence people like that and um, inspire people, I guess, is something that I think about a lot and something that I would hopefully like to do eventually. So can you just kind of talk about some of the more positive aspects of that, I guess? Oh, you know, absolutely. I don't want to put like a damper on it because actually what I do, you know, it's a choice of mine. I'm incredibly passionate about it. And I love, you know, I love my life. I know that I'm a massive success because how I judge success is me being having freedom of choice over my day, how I spend my time doing what I do, literally loving my life and being able to live life um you know under my my own choices but I've had yeah like random really random places like I was cycling down Pacific Coast Highway and we were at the state park and I was like just chatting um talking about because I was going off to cycle down in Baja California and this guy was like hold on are you are you Sarah Williams <laughs> and I was like yes <laughs> that was very true. it's like oh my god I follow you on Instagram and da, da, da. started having these random chats and then it's really nice I had another guy who actually he was following my journey all along on the Appalachian Trail and I can't remember his name but he came out specifically because he knew the area that I was going to be in with uh, with a Snickers bar because I'm a little bit obsessed with Snickers I don't know any hikers who can't be obsessed I was going to say yeah <laughs> best you know best best, uh, best bit of kit for hiking Absolutely. and he came out and met me and just said how much he enjoyed the videos 
I mean, one of the, it, you know, it's it's a great problem to have. It's just at the moment, there's so many social media platforms. So I get lots of messages on Instagram, Facebook, direct emails from people because people trust me because um, I've been in their head for two or three years now. Um, <laughs> and I, and I share, and I share, I share it all. Like I do, I share the high points. I share the low points. I share real life. They get to see us behind the scenes, especially on Instagram stories. It's like, guys, I haven't gotten out of bed yet. I'm in my pajamas. I've been in pajamas all day. I haven't brushed my teeth. I haven't had a shower. Um, I wake up at 6 30 this morning I just grabbed my laptop from the floor and started work and um and people do share I mean scary emails that you get went Sarah you've really really inspired me I've quit my job and I'm like oh my god what have I started but then they go on to explain you know my big passion is doing this and actually I want to head off and go and do that so this is what I'm going to do and because of you I've decided to follow that dream I've had many women um I mean, even just recently, I had uh, had a meetup and I met this lady who said, oh, Sarah, you've changed my life. I was really struggling with um, with depression. I'm not having purpose. And I listened to one of your one of your episodes and it just resonated with me so much um, that actually I want to go off and do and, and do this walk. So she's she's heading off to Spain to do a big walk in Spain. Nice. And sometimes you, f- you can forget the the power that you can have in somebody else's life and and in just tiny words that maybe resonate with people just just words or phrases which stick in stick in their mind um and that's incredibly powerful i do have um you know sometimes i have harder situations when people um share things which have happened in their personal life and that they're struggling with and sometimes that can be a very emotionally draining because i don't necessarily have um the skills or the expertise to help them and all I can do is provide provide support so I do actually have like a closed Facebook community for listeners of the Tough Girl podcast called the Tough Girl Tribe if you know if, if they're a patron um, and I do what I can to support my to support my listeners I, I wish I could do more but at, at the end of the day it's just me right um, but many people when they do email they just email saying I just wanted to tell you this you don't you don't need to reply to me um <laughs> But um, yeah, it can be incredible. It can be life changing. Absolutely, like it really, really can. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, kind of going back on what I said a minute ago about you know wanting to kind of inspire people. I mean, I definitely want to do that. But this show, Trail Tales, is also a little bit more casual than your show. I feel like. I mean, obviously, your show is is kind of uh, based on you know inspiring, uh, particularly females, obviously, to get out there and adventure and do their thing and i feel like this show is more just kind of for like a casual passing the time kind of thing um but that being said two or three years ago 2016 it was um a friend my friend and i uh, sebastian was his name we set out to through hike the long trail and we created a snapchat account for our hike before we left and i just kind of posted it a couple places on the internet mostly on reddit honestly and which is how we got connected, which is great. But um, I just kind of posted it around there and I was like, hey, people, we're going to go do this like 300, I guess less, 270 mile hike. And uh, you can add us if you want to follow along and all that stuff. And I feel like it kind of got out there to a lot of people who weren't like super aware of like the whole through hiking thing. And we didn't have like a huge audience for this. We probably had like 500 people maybe following us on Snapchat um, but at the end, after we finished the trail, you know, we snapped the whole thing. It was all great. Had a lot of fun. Uh, I had a number of people, like a surprising number of people reach out to me and say like, Hey, look, like I didn't even know what this whole hiking long distance backpacking thing was. And, you know, you guys have kind of inspired me to go out and do like a through hiker or get into the outdoors or whatever. And that was something that was like super like 
touching for me, honestly, because like I that's not really what I intended to do when I started. Mm. And um, I don't know that that just kind of that little story there popped into my head uh, while you were while you were um, you know talking about that there. I, I think that's so incredible. Um, but I was going to say, like, even you know, you're saying like 500 isn't massive numbers. I think that's huge because those are 500 people who are engaged with yeah. what you're doing. You know, they are your true fans. And actually, I also know there is a lot of people who actually they can't go out, they can't go and through heart, they can't give up five or six months of their life. They may have family, mortgages, debt. They may have. Um, you know other stuff going on so they can't take that time off or they or they don't have the ability to but actually what they can do is they can live through you sharing those stories and and get that enjoyment and follow along with the highs and the lows and feel involved with it and mm-hmm. i think that's an amazing thing to do because that, that yeah that that's a great thing to do absolutely absolutely and and honestly i don't know if i would have ever had the desire to start this podcast if it wasn't for that little snapchat experiment mm-hmm. and get this i even got recognized on my through hike one time from a guy who was like hey are you the guy that did that long trail hike on snapchat and i was like yeah that was me and it was awesome thank you for following which is hilarious because like i said again 500 people isn't like a huge amount of people by by any means but i don't know i, I thought that was kind of funny um sarah this is awesome i love talking about the whole like podcast content creation thing um, as probably some of my uh, listeners know, as I've talked to other like uh, content creator guests, uh, that being said, I do kind of want to transition into the topic of doing a through hike of the AT as somebody who's not an American, right? So this honestly isn't something I've thought about like a ton for obvious reasons, because I'm an American and I've never even been overseas like we talked about earlier, but it is something I'm kind of curious about, uh, you know, you know, I, I'm curious about hearing your story, kind of dealing with the, some of those logistics. Now, I do have some listeners from the UK, not a ton, but I know there is somebody listening to this from the UK right now. So hopefully you guys can kind of find this valuable. And for everybody else, hopefully it's just kind of interesting and you're curious about it like I am. So first of all, I got to ask. So even here in America, even here in Vermont, a state that the AT literally goes through, there's still a lot of people that have never really heard of it. And maybe they've heard of it, but they don't actually know anything about it. So I'm just kind of curious, what was the reaction you know, among your friends and family when you first told them you were going to go do this crazy through hike over in America? I think they, they already know that I'm slightly crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, they obviously didn't think it was the best idea. Like My friends and family are supportive, but initially you know my family love me so much they actually really don't like me going away doing these challenges they they do worry about me um but they most people were supportive but I don't think I necessarily explained it in the correct way so we've got this little tiny trail it's called like the Wirral Way which is about sort of 20 miles and it's flat and stuff and I basically explained to my parents it's basically it's basically the equivalent of the Wirral Way it just goes on for like you know, 2,000 plus miles, not really explaining, oh, it's the equivalent of going up and down Everest, Mount Everest, like 16 yeah. and a half times and, and talking through like the White Mountains and the different sections and, and what it was what it was going to be like. So um, it was hard to really ex- explain. And I think, I still think it is difficult to explain for people who don't necessarily know or, or understand. Um, but yeah, like, I think people were interested. And I think that, you know, they were supportive and encouraging and wanted me to follow my dreams and, and go after it. Had they ever heard about the AT or through hiking or long distance hiking in general? Um, you it, know, it did, before you told them what you were going to go do? 
my friends in like the, the my female friends in like the adventure world as I call it pretty much all of them have heard of it and everyone's like oh my god that's an absolutely amazing go for it other people who aren't in that world hadn't really hadn't really heard about it so um it was good obviously to be able to to educate them as well but I also think that maybe I was a little naive as well about what I was going to do and I actually didn't think it was going to be as tough as it was oh really okay yeah to do it in the 100 days like I sort of knew it would be challenging but I remember talking to my sister saying yeah, well, hopefully I'll make really good progress and I'll be ahead of schedule. I'll be able to like maybe stop off in New York for like a couple of days, just catch the train in, have a bit of time in New York and then still be able to come back and, and carry on <laughs> carry on the trail. Uh, that I, you know, that quickly, re- I quickly realized that wasn't going to be an option. Actually, that all I was going to be doing for three months was, was walking every single yeah. day. So um, I think it also shocked them towards the end as well because I got very, I, I put, one of my, my biggest challenges with regards to like my weight and trying to consume calories so um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very fit. I'm very strong. I, you know, I lift, I go to the gym on a regular basis and I put on like a stone in weight before I started. <laughs> so, so I start the Appalachian Trail, like on my videos, like I don't look how I normally look. I'm like really quite chubby, especially right around the face. And I get to my normal weight around like the 50 day mark. But then after the, you know, another 50 days of doing this in, intense hiking, I'd lost like another stone in weight and I was really very, very skeletal. And I'm like five foot nine, so very, very tall. And I was like, my like size eight pants were like falling down. My hip bones were sticking out by like an inch and a half. And my my sister and my mum met me at the end of the trail. We met met up in Boston. I think they were just so shocked at like oh, how fragile yeah. and fragile I looked. Um, so, and I think a lot of people, especially towards the end, were starting to get very, very worried about me because they could see how gaunt I was getting. And everyone's like, you need to eat more food. And you're literally like, I cannot eat any more food. I, <laughs> I literally have to carry all food. the food that I eat and you only have so much space in your food bag. Yeah. So, and, and all I do, honestly, all I do is eat constantly. I just can't, literally, I'm just burning so many calories. I, I can't consume in, enough. So, um, yeah, sorry. I've got, I've gone off track now. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. That's okay. Honestly, that is, that is something that's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I had a guest on one of my buddies named Mullet Mike. I think it was episode four. So like a long time ago now, um, where he kind of talked about that and, uh, he had made it all the way from Springer to, I want to say it was like, uh, what's the, t- it was like uh, the town before Monson. Um, so like. Oh, before the 100 mile wilderness. Yeah, like like a little bit before there. So almost the entire way. I think he had less than like 200 miles to go or something. He made it over, yeah, over 2000 miles. And he had to stop because he was like getting sick just from the fact that he'd lost so much weight and just wasn't eating properly. So that that is like. That is like definitely a real concern for people who are through hiking, and, and it's it, it's it's tough to give advice on that too because I feel like it's so different for everybody. Like I lost like fifteen pounds when I first started, and then by the time I finished, I had pretty much almost gained everything back, which doesn't make any sense at all. But like I don't know, it's it's just so personal, I guess. It, it is, and it can come down so. Well, you've probably seen it as well. Like a lot of women will burn off the fat and replace it with muscle, whereas a lot of men will like burn through the fat and start burning through the muscle. Mm. So you have, I think that you must have heard the phrase like women will end up and like catarred and looking like goddesses, and and the men will look like uh, like war veterans yeah, or something, yeah. like just 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 skeletal, and it, and it's difficult to consume that much um, that much protein. It is um, and stuff, yeah. 
I was going to say, you, you came back asking about the, and I, I don't think I answered it, about the challenges of being international. Um, and I'd say there's there's three things that, that you have to think about if you're an international wanting to do, wanting to do the Appalachian Trail. For me, it was sorting out a visa. It was getting my flights booked. And it was also having insurance while I was out there. And the visa situation, I, I actually went to the US embassy and uh, was actually quite nervous about, you know, are they going to let me in? Yeah. Will they give me a visa? And they did. And they actually gave me like, um, you know, a 10-year visa, which was fantastic. So um, that means that when I can come in, I get, I get six months at a time, which is great because uh, my second biggest audience is actually is America. Then after that, once once I knew I got my visa, which I got in in January 2017, I knew that it was on. And then it all became very real for me when I set up like an alert to find like chief flight cheap flight to Atlanta, <laughs> and it popped up like oh, two hundred no, pounds. Yeah. And I was like, right, I have to buy this. And so suddenly I bought my flight, and then I had the same alert set up from you know on the way home, and I you know planned with my my mum and my sister for them to come out to Boston, and we'd fly home in in September. You know, book my flight home. And I think once you get your flights booked, you're like, oh my goodness, here we go. And obviously, you know, the third thing is is insurance, just because unfortunately in America you don't have you don't have the free healthcare like I'm used to over in the UK. So you know, getting the insurance covered and making sure it's it's the correct insurance, like those are the three big three big things basically. And then for me, it was just a case of figuring out well, how do I get from the airport to the hostel that I need to go to, and then the hostel will then drive me to the start line. And then it was a case of yeah, good to good to go. Right, so, right. You know, like anything, it's just breaking it down and taking it one step at a time. Right. Um, why don't we talk about some of those aspects a little bit uh, more detailed, I guess. Um, so specifically the visa. Now, I'm going to be straight up. Like I said, I've never traveled outside the country. I don't know jack shit about like visas or traveling, obviously from the American uh, side of things, let alone from, you know, traveling to America from another country. So uh, what was it like kind of securing a visa for like an, I, I guess you kind of knew it was going to be 100 days um, that you were going to do your hike, but like for a long period of time uh, like that to kind of travel in the States. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not as complicated as you think it is. I think it can be quite a scary process. But obviously, you've got to also got to remember, you know, I'm, I'm coming from the UK as well. There's going to be certain countries which will struggle um, a lot more to be able to get visas. Um, it also depends on like your background. I think you've got to have like a certain amount of money in the bank. You've got to have, um, you know, you've got to have something that you're coming home towards. You, it's actually it is intimidating to go down to London, you know, queue up outside the US embassy. There's there is obviously like lots of security going in, lots of waiting. Um, you flow through. You end up having. Uh, you know, taking all your paperwork in, you end up having like a face-to-face interview with somebody and they sort of ask you all these questions about what you're going to do. And, and I remember I was like chatting with the guy and he, and he actually had my website up in front of him. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> wow. this is so weird. Holy shit. One, but one of the things I hadn't told him, I just said, oh, I'm just going to hike the Appalachian Trail. But I hadn't told him that I'm doing it in a hundred days. And I had this like big thing across my website, <laughs> basically basically saying, oh, I need to do it in, um, you know, I'm, my goal is to do it in like, in do it in like 100 days and just didn't mention that fact because I was just <laughs> obviously hoping that they would give me this uh, you know this six month visa right. but it, I mean even then that could have been if I wasn't doing it in 100 days it would have been pushed it would have been a close call to get it done within the within the six months but it's I think it just comes down to research and you know Google is your friend and it's just being methodical um, and just figuring out look how much is it going to cost you what do you need to get done right how, is you know is your passport in date? How long do you have left on your passport? Because most, when you travel, you normally need longer than six months. Do you have sufficient pages available, etc.? Mm-hmm. Um, but once you've got that tick in the box, it's then relatively, you know, simple to to book your flights and to to come over, go through the immigration, 
and it's like you know what 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 why have you come to <laughs> why have you come to why have you come to the United States oh I'm going to be through hiking the Appalachian Trail and they sort of look at you like really <laughs> like okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep I don't think that's going to be happening oh that's um, so good yeah so one of the other things that you kind of mentioned a second ago was the insurance thing right so again like i'm not going to pretend that i know anything about this topic at all so i guess uh how did your experience kind of dealing with that go and you know what advice would you give for um people who aren't americans that want to come to the states to through hike the at or the pct or any any other through hike like that yeah I i think insurance is a must for anybody if you're coming from a different country over to america because if you do get collected by an ambulance or if you go into the emergency room or something happens and you don't have insurance, it can the costs are going to be absolutely astronomical um, and it's honestly just not worth it. And you know, having that peace of mind, searching out an ins- you know, insurance company, finding one that works for you, paying the £100, £150, you know, whatever it is, is totally worth it. Because if something had gone wrong or say even you know, I've fallen over or damaged my, to- my tooth or something yeah. or you know, twist my ankle or broken my leg and I'd need to have that done or fixed or anything you know touch wood um you need to yeah i'm so i'm i'm a really sensible person i know people who do stuff like without having insurance and that's absolutely fine that's your own personal choice but i think it's just when you're going to america you you don't want to end up bankrupting yourself if you do get ill or injured so that's one of the key things that i do especially when i'm planning with regards to my costs and my budget things like that i include in as 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 a must basically and and what and it's also it's about finding one which suits for you so i you know i had an insurance company i used for the marathon de Saves because some of these events that you you do or challenges that you do are very can be very specific so you know depending on the height or how high you're going up like how far you're going how many states you're crossing over or, or if you're going to different countries as well so even getting insurance for my for my latest challenge was really challenging because i was starting in canada going through america to mexico then to australia and then on to india so trying to get insurance in multiple countries over a seven month time period um, can be difficult, yeah. <laughs> <I> can <laughs> um, imagine. but it can be done. But also, you just got to put in the work. You just got to do your research, and again, find out what happens for you. Especially if you've got any like pre-existing medical conditions, and you've just got to be truthful on your insurance form. You know, I have heard horror stories of people, of people who haven't been truthful, and things happen, and the insurance company isn't going to pay out. So, you know, be honest, get insurance, budget it in. It's it's super 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 important to do, especially if you're not an American. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I guess. My last question on the whole, you know, not being from America and doing a through hike topic is just, is there any other piece of advice or topic that you kind of want to touch on related to, you know, somebody coming to the States to do a through hike like this that maybe as an American, I haven't really thought about? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't know because I've actually, I think I've, I've spent quite a lot of time in America. So have you heard of like, you know, Camp America and, you know, the American summer camps? So every summer for like three years, I come over and work in different states. So I've I've worked in, you know, so I've worked in like California, I've worked in Michigan, I've worked in Maine before. So I don't know if I'm very, very used to spending time in America. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) I know like the differences in language, like, you know, trash and sidewalk. and uh, (laughs) sidewalk? What's wrong wrong with sidewalk? What, what What do you guys call it there? Pavement. Pavement, like. Or, you know, like candy crisps or chips and you know all these all these different words so I sort of I sort of know all that I mean for me I just find the people are amazing like you know the kindness the kindness of strangers that I've met over there has been awesome and like all all of the Americans I've met you know I think bar like maybe four or five 
have been super friendly, super nice, um, and couldn't have done more for me, especially like the trail angels yeah, that, that yeah. I met over on the trail. Um, absolutely amazing. I think it's also a bit of a novelty when you're over there being a Brit and or having an accent. And every time you go, every time you go shopping, it's like, oh my god, are you are you from are you from England? Do you know the Queen? <laughs> uh, which is quite fun. Although a lot of people did actually think I was Australian, which was very strange. Oh, I did spend a lot of time yeah. in Australia. I could I could see that honestly, just as like someone who's not super familiar with like other accents. I mean, I, at this point, I understand like the difference between the accents, but like. Maybe if you had asked me that like six years ago, I, I might have been one of those people making that mistake too, unfortunately. Oh, no, don't worry. It's, it's, it's all fine. But, you know, it's, I think people are really impressed that you've traveled so far to come and do, you know, a, a trail or an, a walk in, in their backyard. What was, there is a right answer to this, by the, by the way, what was your favorite state on the Appalachian Trail? Vermont. <laughs> Correct. Well done. Well done. You win the prize. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so great all right what was what was your actual favorite state um where are the white mountains well, i can't remember which state are the white mountains in new hampshire new hampshire do you know what? it in new hampshire the white mountains it, it was it was tough it was brutal it was so hard but at the same time it was so stunning it was so beautiful it was it, that i really really enjoyed that but i think you know all the all the states do have their their pros and cons like even virginia i think it was like seeing the horses i like the quick little states as well you know you, the ones that you oh, yeah. throw in like you know 50 miles boom you've crossed the state Absolutely. that's great um i had great memories in um in new jersey and new york i i i managed to meet quite a few um of my listeners and patrons who um who reached out to me so yeah like I I've, I've just sort of got good memories throughout all the states yeah but the White Mountains particularly if I was to come back I'd love to do like the presidential range again I'd love to spend more time up in the White Mountains like that was beautiful for me absolutely absolutely yeah I did an episode um probably about a month ago now maybe a little bit longer where me and actually a uh, mullet Mike again who I talked about earlier uh, we just ranked the states on the AT from like least best to best best and i believe i put new hampshire as number one i think i put new hampshire as number one if i recall correctly so i i love the whites i've i've hiked there a bunch uh beyond just the, uh my through hike as well because like i said i'm pretty close here in vermont so that is awesome all right so sarah at the end of these episodes i always like to ask my guests to share just a couple or maybe just one or two whatever uh, stories from their through hikes so I'm talking the kind of stories that you would share around a campfire if you had somebody kind of picking your brain about your through hike and uh, just your your go-to stories I guess so with that said I'm gonna pass the ball to you and what do you got for us today well, it's going to be a bit disgusting. So all my all my like campfire stories normally have to do with like bodily fluids. That is so. fine. A couple episodes <laughs> ago, I had a guest talk about how his uh, ball sack was really really chafed and uh, bleeding. Oh. So I don't. I mean, maybe you'll be able to top that. I don't know. I don't know. But don't don't worry about that. Let's uh, let's let's hear what you got. Yeah, well, I was going to say, there's also a video to match this as well. So if you want to go watch like day number ninety seven on uh, on the vlog, um, then you'll probably enjoy it. But it was just, it was one of those days, it had been raining all day, and I'm talking miserable, drenching rain. And um, I'd, I'd hiked all day, I finally got to the shelter, I got to the shelter, and I was suddenly like, oh, I don't feel very well, like, this is not good. So I, I, I got into my dry clothes, I only had one set of dry clothes, one set of, you know, uh, my sleeping yeah, yeah. clothes. Got into my dry clothes, got into my sleeping bag, and I sat up and I thought, oh my god, I'm going to throw up. Um, and then I was like, crap, I'm also going to shit myself. 
And I was like, oh, what do I do? <laughs> so I had to, I, remember, I just remember I was getting out of my sleep and I was, you know, when you get warm and cozy and snug and you're just, you just, you're just ready to go to sleep. And then suddenly you're like, oh no, my body's, my stomach's going, hello, <laughs> we definitely consume something. And I remember so having to unzip my sleeping bag and I was like, well, do, oh, do I take, do I take my clothes off? So I took like a couple of my layers off. I went outside. I'm trying to pull my pants down because stuff was starting to come out. And then I was also trying to lean over and be sick. And I don't know if you've ever tried to do this when it's happening at both ends and trying not to get like anything on me. And it was just, and I was getting wet. It was just horrendous. <laughs> and I, I can still remember it now. And I was just, oh, um, anyway, finished the business both ends, got back, you know, got back into my sleeping bag, a little bit damp, but sort of okay. Um, honestly, not joking, about 20, 20 minutes later, it was like, oh my God, it's happening again. Oh, so no. I spent the whole night getting up to either be sick or to to have those, oh, I'm going to go really graphic, those like watery poos. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like, not, like, it's just like water coming out. I obviously had some bad water, even though like I, I, I thought I filtered it, but maybe I didn't filter it. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like norovirus or anything. I, I guess you were at the end of your through hike there. So it's... I was at the very end. I don't think it was because it was just that. It was just that final day. So day ninety eight, I didn't eat. I couldn't even stomach any food, and I was having to bash out like thirty miles. Uh. So it was just absolutely brutal. But it, you know, it does make me laugh now, and it's and it's really funny because people watch the videos or watch the vlogs, and and um, I did this short. I did this short six minute film of the whole of the Appalachian Trail, but a lot of the stuff stuff I include is like the crying sections because that's generally what people liked watching on YouTube yeah. is they like seeing people alone upset crying and um uh, yeah, sorry well, I'm going off topic but ugh, what is it saying so that was so that's what that's one of my my classic my classic stories I so I always bring that one up just because it makes me laugh so much when I go back and watch it now I'm just like what an absolute state you're in oh, but you know another amazing story is I had this girl who had found she listened to the adventure sports podcast and heard about you know what I'd done with Marathon of Sars. she started listening to the tough girl podcast her name's Becca um she found out that I was through hiking Appalachian Trail she reached out you know wanted to meet me so the challenging bit was trying to find like a date and a time that I could fit to and so I scheduled, like, we'll, we'll meet at Clingman's Dome, so, like, you know, the highest point in the AT, and I'll definitely be there by this date. <laughs> and it was the biggest push and slog ever to even get there. And it was, you know, torrential rain coming down. Becca had been waiting there for six hours she for waited. me. Wow, she waited. Wow. She waited. And and um, we, we got there, and, and we were then going to meet up in, like, the next town and stuff. And I felt awful because cause it's when it's, like, pissing down with rain, and you can only read, because, like, you know when you stop walking, you get cold. Cold. Yeah. So I could only basically spend five minutes, and this is awful. I could only spend basically like five minutes with her before I was like, I'm really sorry because my body was starting to convulse and shake before having to carry on to get to the next shelter, which was meant to be like two miles away. Ended up, I was actually hiking with another guy, a guy at this point, and I can't remember his name. Uh, but we had, we ended up like night hiking, getting to the shelter at like 10 o'clock at night. But it was still, even though it was really tough, like doing the night hiking, being soaking wet, it was amazing. It was an amazing, you know, to 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 meet somebody who wanted to meet me and had waited like six plus hours. I mean, I felt awful. I was like, oh my god, I just feel absolutely terrible. And she bought me like Snickers bars and you know loads of little gifts and presents <laughs> and stuff. Um, but we ended up meeting in in the next town, and she kept, she came over and we managed to just spend you know, a bit of time together and have lunch. Um, so that was super nice. But yeah, like the Appalachian Trail, it's just. Um, 
it's a beautiful way of life. It's a beautiful, it's amazing getting back to nature. It's the amazing people that you get to meet along the way. I think one of the things that I missed out on was was maybe like not having a trail family. I experienced it for like a little bit when I ended up hiking with like four or five people for maybe four or five days just because they were going at a similar pace to me. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, normally, you know, I'd come into, I actually had to stop talking about the, the, the speed that I was doing it at because it was making people start to feel really bad about themselves. <laughs> so so, so I'd, come, I'd come into the shelter. And initially at the beginning, people were like, oh, you know, where are you coming from? What are you doing? And I'd explain and they would just be like, oh my God, wow. And then ask you loads of questions which is amazing i'm more than happy to talk obviously i like talking right but then you just realize like hold on i'm t- they got in at two o'clock i'm getting in at eight o'clock and i'm knackered i actually don't have the energy to talk to people i just need to sleep and start resting and recovering um and towards the end like people would say oh you know where have you come from and you name this campsite and they'd be like oh but we were there three days ago because <laughs> they were doing like you know 10 10 11 miles a day and i was doing like 33 miles in a day and I just started to make people feel bad, and I never want to do that anyway. So I was so in the end, you just you just start sort of not really mentioning it unless they specifically ask and specifically want to know. But the, you can't really explain like how amazing the Appalachian Trail is, and 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 just how yeah how incredible and how blessed and how fortunate I feel to have been able to to hike it and to walk it and to see it and to experience you know the kindness of strangers and to to see the stunning views and and to and to. Yeah, just to complete it and to finish the goal and everything. Because, you know, obviously I'm very passionate about it. So I I want to encourage more people to to get out there and do it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Sarah, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Don't hang up quite yet because I do have a couple more questions. But um, just thank you so much for taking the time to come on here today. Thank you for bearing with me with the technical difficulties we had yesterday. And, And thank you for actually like reaching out in, you know, kind of, asking to be a guest in the first place because um you know that's that's kind of how it happened and I, I i just i just really appreciate that thank you so much oh you're welcome it's a pleasure to be here and talk about the appalachian trail <laughs> awesome awesome so for those that are listening that haven't uh you know that aren't familiar with your content and your podcast obviously where can they go to kind of check your stuff out best place to go is toughgirlchallenges.com it's the website um it gives you more information about me the tough girl podcast the tough girl blog i've also written a number of books as well about um about climbing kilimanjaro about running the marathon the sobs and about working as a chalet host a bit random so you can check the books out there's lots of show notes on there so there's lots of advice and tips about different challenges around the world women who've climbed you know mountains like mount everest or done the seven summits other women who've who've through hiked different trails who've cycled around the world or, or walking the length of the world or unicycling around the world and kayaking and canoeing and running and triathlons and Ironman there's <laughs> over 200 interviews so there is a lot of content on there but it's really nice just well, I think I think it's really nice to go and explore but toughgirlchallenges.com is the best place to go awesome awesome so everybody go check it out Sarah my last question is it's very simple okay what's next don't tell me you did all this stuff you're producing all this content and then that's just it What's next? What's your next adventure? Great question, but it's probably the timing. So um, I've actually just come back from from seven months of traveling. So um, in in September, well, in August last year, I handed in my master's, which was which was on adventure, women, and fear. So twenty thousand words had been written, uh, boxed off, completed my master's, and in September I flew to Canada, um, went to a bike shop, bought a bike, and then I cycled. 
uh, down Pacific Coast Highway, all the way down to San Diego, then crossed over the border at Tecate, did a little bit of off-road cycling in Baja, California, and then got back onto the main road and cycled down the one in Mexico to Cabo San Lucas. Um, I then flew to Australia to spend two months in Melbourne because I've got family over there. So had Christmas, New Year, etc. there, which was gorgeous. And then flew back home via India, where I spent a month doing a yoga teacher training course. So I'm now like a qualified yoga instructor. And I got back to the UK only a couple of weeks ago. But to be honest, like my body's pretty... Um, pretty battered at the moment so I've got like my glutes aren't firing I've got a little <laughs> problem with like my knees and my shoulders so I'm a little bit banged up um and so I've also lost like a lot of my strength and my my muscles so for me it's just a lot of basically rehab so it sounds really boring but it's going to the gym sorting out my glutes and my knees also just getting back on top of of the podcast and the blog and everything so last year you know a lot of my time was spent you know do, doing my masters etc and preparing for the big cycle challenge so I don't really have any big plans I mean to be honest I do want to do Pacific Crest Trail I think that will just be phenomenal yeah. um, I, I, you know, I do want to be a triple crown I want to get the triple crown and, and hike all of the big three trails and as I've said you know, my second largest audience is America I love spending time in America and I just think it would be nice you know I've walked from Springer Mountain all the way up to Mount Katahdin I then cycled down Pacific Coast Highway so it would be amazing to walk then from Mexico back up to Canada yeah, absolutely. and then to hike from Canada down to back to Mexico or something think so um i i have lots of big challenges and big goals and things i want to achieve and do but uh nothing nothing in the immediate future so a bit of time probably in the uk maybe looking at some of the trails in the uk because we've got our own sort of system of national trails so there's about sort of 17 18 national trails and in 2020 actually they're opening up the coastal footpath which goes all the way around um england oh, so wow. that's going to be so that's going to be pretty amazing as well. So um, I may stay closer to home, but who knows? Who knows what opportunities <laughs> are going to present to going to present themselves? Absolutely, absolutely. That sounds awesome. And uh, yeah, I think I think we're going to end it here, Sarah. Thank you so so much. Don't hang up quite yet, but to everybody listening, thank you as well. If you are a first time listener, please go check out the show on Instagram at Trail Tales Pod. Or send me an email talking shit or giving me praise, uh, trailtalespod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Sarah, have a good one. Bye.